Yes. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first ever Dimeback Podcast. I am Tyler, joined tonight by Russ Steinberg. Russ Steinberg. And Peter Bard. What's up? I don't know. And Mega Bard. Hello. Hello. And Alex Cullen. Hello. Hi. And Kevin Meacham's here. Russ Steinberg. Finally fucking Meach. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Meach, uh, what the fuck? We don't have a sponsor make... for this podcast, but I this think... This podcast is so delayed because Meach took so long at the Korean restaurant. Yeah. We were supposed to record it months ago. They were going to be our sponsor, and now it's like, you know, no. But he's been, he's been waiting there. Right. Um, this is actually supposed to be our reaction pod to the Randy at So Higher. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats so on the contract extension, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> um, real quick, though, let's give a big shout out to uh, our friend Chris Licata and his wife, Erin. We had a, a baby. Congrats on the baby. Congrats on the baby. It's always Very good highly to, rated. Always, always good to add more slack babbies. There's so many now. So slowly forming a horde that will inevitably replace us in Harvest Organs. It's pointing out that he did not join a podcast while he was in the hospital still, like I did. That's true. So I'm, I'm committed to the here. team. I mean, what are the odds you would be in the hospital on the one day a year we record a <laughs> podcast? But... Alex, you want to do promo for your, your gig up front, too? Yeah, my, my band, which uh, the theme song of our podcast is is my band. That's me on drums. You just heard that. Um, yeah, we're we are playing um, at Heartbeat Fest on Saturday, September eighteenth. We we're going on at like one forty-five. We are so there's three stages. There's the Plaza stage, the Riverwalk stage, and the Skyline stage. And we are playing on the Riverwalk stage Saturday, September eighteenth at one forty-five. So if you feel like seeing me look really frantic and sweaty, but playing some pretty cool music, please come out and check it out. But yes, everyone go to the Heartbeat Festival and watch Alex. All right, let's get right into it, because UConn uh, essentially fired Randy Etzel this morning, or afternoon, evening, after getting (laughs) humiliated for a couple straight weeks on the football field. Uh, Let's go first to Peter, who should claim some responsibility and apologize to the Etzel family for writing the piece that got Randy fired. Peter, your apology, please. I apologize for nothing. Oh. I regret nothing. Oh. I'm glad that David Benedict continues to read what I post. Shout Dave. All I had to do was write one, one saying that he was doing a great job, which he is. I still. That's the big mistake Russ made in the piece that made Benedict hate Russ forever. Right. It's true. I Should have just put David one compliment in there. You could have had him back. I really like yeah. the piece, Peter, how you said that, like, obviously Benedict's been doing such a good job, so clearly he's not trying to, tr- like, crater this, so he has to fire Randy. So I just assumed he read that and was like, you're right. He's right. I'd have to fire Randy. And then he fired Randy. It was like, it was the players like, no, he's like, I read, I read the wise words. See, if, if I had written that milk. piece, if I, if I had written that piece, Edsel would have gotten another extension. <laughs> yeah. You don't have my charisma, Russ. That's true. The beard. You're <laughs> very charismatic. So, but, what do we actually think happened behind the scenes here, where Randy announces he's retiring at the end of the season, and then 24 hours later they say, "Uh, not so fast." He was, he was trying to cut him off at the pass, like, "Oh, I'm gonna get, I'm retiring, guys. You can't fire me now." Is it weird that that's the point? most savvy strategic decision he's made in 10 years? I mean that's no, are no not more so than canceling the season last year because he would he should have been fired two years ago. That was pretty brilliant. In I'm hindsight. really like conflicted on this because they should have canceled the season because it was an absolutely terrible idea to be playing football last fall. But like also, it probably did buy him another year. So like, it absolutely bought him another yeah. year. I yeah, if you really wanted again to, last year, if you really wanted to game it out, they should have just fired him and then not had a coach for a year. They could have saved 1.2 million dollars. They could have saved two and a half million dollars because there have been two seasons of not paying. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> if they had fired, although him at theoretically the end of the they would have a season, theoretically they would have a coach this year. <laughs> you never know. Never know. Maybe. I do um, think it's interesting that Corey is still on the staff, at least for the time being. And like, no disrespect to Corey, because as, as many people as you'll find who said Randy wasn't doing a good job, you will find people saying Corey was doing a good job. Certainly the. The recruits coming in are Team Corey, so I'll be interested to see how long that lasts. 
Well, I think part of that is probably, you know, there was a nepotism lawsuit. So if he leaves at the exact moment his dad does, that might uh, might not be a great look. Well, the legislature changed the law, <laughs> like literally made it allowable, <laughs> which someone on our blog may or may not have said they should do if they wanted that to be allowable. And then they did. So, you know, you're welcome. Wasn't you, Ro? <laughs> For a blog that produces next to no content, we are so influential. All bangers. I made, <laughs> I made David Benedict cry. I get credit for everything. Does anyone even want to try to make the case for hanging on to Randy for the rest of the year? Is no. there one? No. Nope. nope. Yeah. I mean, uh, really he's, I mean he's a shithead. He sucks at his job. The players yeah. are out. They're and that's the thing. So if the players don't want to play for him, that's that you can't. It. And the fact that like right. people said the, the thing on, online about Spanos and a, a player responded and said, that is bullshit. This is our guy. He's their guy. Like, I know that, like, the video didn't look good, but it was out of context. I don't really know what the fuck was going on. And that doesn't mean they've given up on that coach. It meant that they'd given up on that game, which still sucks, but not necessarily everyone's fault. I mean, Spana- in fairness to the defense, like, there were maybe, like, five or six people who were playing halfway decent in that game, and they were all on the defense. They were None of them were in the secondary, unfortunately. Yeah. But... I understand the that like level of like what's the point here. I I think it was a big red flag in terms of how um, how much Edsel kind of phoned it in when he refused to go to anyone but Jack Zoolander for the rest of that game on Saturday while we were all screaming in the first half for him to be replaced. The fact turned, that he never went out and hired a real offensive coordinator like. He was like, oh, I need an offensive coordinator, and I'm just going to hire the guy who's standing next to me right now who is not an offensive coordinator, clearly. And when it did not work, wasn't like, maybe I should go get an offensive coordinator. It's not like it's not like David Benedict couldn't hire you an offensive coordinator. Like, he got Red Lashley to come in, and apparently at some point had convinced Jerry Hill to come be OC here. Like, could have found you a guy. Apparently David Benedict has a functional Rolodex, or, you know, it's not 1985, but you know what I mean here. And... The fact that no one ever went out and found a real OC, like, I just, you're not trying. You're not trying. The, the, the case to keep Etzel around is basically how much do you care about Randy Etzel's dignity? Because that's not the only bit. Negative one billion. Right. And that, that's the only thing that you're saving. And like, you know, thanks for the 2000s, Randy, but, you know, this was not working. Um, it seems, yeah, there was a Bruce Feldman report of like some backstage machinations or whatever. You have to assume that a bunch of guys who have a limited amount of time to play organized football probably don't want to, you know, sacrifice their bodies for this guy who said he was going to quit after the worst loss in the history of the school. Um, and and with the worst loss years. in the history of the school so far. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, will be significantly worse because that might be a four touchdown game. You can't, with a straight face, try to make the case that we would want to preserve this guy's dignity because everything that he's done since he's got got here screams that he's just here to mail it in so he can retire. Like, he came here because he knew it was a paycheck and he'd have a longer leash here anywhere else because, you know, we were we were in a desperate situation and had history with them. And it, 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 there's no evidence that he really cared about doing this job at all the second time around. Yeah, I'm always amazed by the people who aren't very successful but still refuse to change. Like, you're not, he's not Acne fucking bitch. Jim Calhoun. Like, he's not Jim Calhoun with a 2007 roster that just, like, can't execute. Like, you're a mediocre at best football coach who's now losing every single game, still running draws up the middle on third and seven every time. Like, at what point do you just try something new unless you were just cashing checks and writing it out there is a sort of poetic irony here to like you know the last time he left he didn't even come back and like face his players to to deal with that and this time he got run off by the players yeah that's cool i'm gonna do it um is there any hope at all for spanos improving the performance this year does it change anything at all about the trajectory. I know over under on the wins was two point five. Some of us who pay their mortgage off UConn football took the 
the under. <laughs> is there any hope for improved play. results? I don't think we're going to win three more games. I think they will be. I think they're going to play better than they played the last two weeks for a couple of reasons. One, it's nearly impossible not to. I mean that this is truly putrid football so far. Could but also, he worse. He can't be worse. You're, nah, let's, you're, let's not. You're going to get some sort of bounce just because they hated playing for Edsel so much. They're going to be energized just to stick it to him. Yeah, honestly, I almost regret placing my bet earlier today on Purdue minus 33 and a half. Oh, I'm feeling great I'm, about it. I'm wondering if we get that bounced a little bit from the players actually. People who there. want UConn football to be good do this every week and they convince themselves, well, maybe. I'm not con- I'm not saying they're going to win. No. I'm not try- saying they're going to be within four. But they, but they might lose but by this like this is 18. how everyone takes UConn and this is they how might, I pay my mortgage. They might be every within week. 30. Every week you guys do this. I I don't not you, but the general you guys. I mean, there were the royal you guys. Five games this year, like based on what? Like based on the figment of your imagination. Of course, they were never going to win five games this year. Like the like the people who were like, oh yeah, they're totally going to obviously they're going to win beat Yale. Like no, they're not obviously going to beat Yale. That was always going to be a question. Like. I don't know. And I say this as someone who I, I'm not sure it's a question at all anymore. <laughs> I mean, I did not get season tickets this year, but I have, you know, previously been a season ticket holder. And it's like, you got to temper your expectations here. Like they're never going to be a real college football team. Like they're never going to be one of those schools that you see on Saturday with 50,000 people in a stadium. It's just not, it's just not who we are. We're well, Connecticut. When they play Clemson, they will be. Sure. Not in, our stadium, in, though. Right. Not our stadium. Not at our stadium. And they're going to leave early. And and the thing, like, but it's fine because we can put, you know, 15,000 people in the Civic Center for men's and women's basketball games. And we just need to acknowledge that that's who we are. And it's okay. It's okay. Like, I just don't want to be the laughing stock of college football. Like, if we're winning between four and six games a year and, like, occasionally make a bowl that's fine that's fine but like that's all we're ever gonna be and you just we just need to come to terms with that Uh, some people need therapy you know they should they should seek help but that's just they need to come they need to you know be a piece with our mediocrity i'd like to be average i'd like to make a bowl game half the time personally i just want to I think UConn football was more Hartford Yargoats than UConn basketball. It's like, just make it an entertaining thing for me to go do on a Saturday. Yeah. Like, let's just acknowledge that we're not competing for anything real and just make it a fun thing to go do and try not to lose a ton of money. That's where we I'm should at. start making up our own trophies again. I mean, yeah, yeah historically, team, that fucking rules. Let's do every it. Every team we play, we invent a rivalry game. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm still holding I'm still holding back on my hottest take that they should play nothing but road games and just see how much money they can pull on each year. I know we're joking right now, but I'm dead serious. Like, we need to turn That's the UMass true. game into a real rivalry. Like, we should be playing them the week that everybody's playing their championship games. Or, and, like, turn it into a thing. Because should- that's... Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Like the weekend that we're we're sitting on the outside because we're an independent, like we should be having a big hyped up game against where we do some New England ass shit. Everybody eats clam chowder. (laughs) Like maple on fucking everything. It's the U game. And like maybe we play some basketball, maybe we play some hockey. Like we can do a little like cross pollination, you know. If UMass wins three football games in a row, they get one basketball game. That's, I'm just that's saying, the deal. like, let's let's be real about this and to like make like that's who our rival is right now. They don't need to be our rival in rival. basketball. No. no, but like we play. The, I mean, playing them in hockey is certainly like there. We can make it a fun weekend, guys. That's what I'm saying. I'm into it. Yeah. You had me at Maple. It might be fun if UMass was our rival and we just consistently beat the shit out of them in basketball. <laughs> <laughs> You know, 
a November yeah. basketball game? We can play UMass in November. That's no worse than playing some other bullshit cupcakes team. We're playing a lot of bullshit cupcake teams this year. Like, yeah, but I not said playing we should the have makes, UMass on the schedule. But not playing that makes play UMass, UMass so mad, and it's really funny to me. That is true. W- would you rather play Coppin State and make UMass mad, or just play UMass? Coppin State. Coppin State. But it'll also I like watching them beat a Primus score 40 points for us. I really, really enjoyed That's that. That's true. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, we complain about the cupcakes, but I love blowing teams out. I will sit and I'll watch every minute of a I mean, I've been watching UConn women's basketball for 25 years. So, yeah, not a problem. And the older I get, the more I enjoy it, to be honest. If they're I, winning by 50, I'm like, let's get make, let's make it 60. I, I think a lot of our complaining about cupcakes came at a time when we were not blowing cupcakes out. When Monmouth was taking us to overtime, also we, Columbia. I was mad about everything sucked. at that point. Like our our conference schedule was That's was due they to couldn't afford that. Yeah. Speaking of the AAC, have it being garbage. <laughs> oh, the AAC! Oh, it's it like we left so the, like we left the Titanic on like a like a dirigible, and we're just watching it sink. It's like we just got on a slightly uh, more secure but smaller Titanic. <laughs> yeah, our Titanic rules. I'm just saying, I'm glad I would not want to be it left in the AAC trying to pick whether we're adding App State or Georgia State, Coastal Shout Carolina. I've we- never been happier to be in the Big East than I am right now. Like football, the fact that our football team is putrid doesn't matter at fucking all. It means nothing. We're just happy. In our conference, playing home and homes with Villanova in basketball every year. Football is like when Great. you have two kids and one of them rules and is like valedictorian, like gonna be a doctor, and then one of them's like, you know, he's describing Megan right now. <laughs> I was not valedictorian, just for the record. And it's like you're like, get it together, fuck up, but you don't really care because you've got the good one. Yeah, like we have the kid that we're proud of, and then we have this other kid, Megan. <laughs> so getting getting back to like, so in terms of like what we want for the program or what you know what, what future we see, I, I I want whatever conditions, and and maybe it's just as simple as the product on the field being having to be better, but I, I want to see the program able to create the kind of culture that existed, you know, in two thousand five, six, seven. You know, I was in the marching band then, and the stadium was full, and we had goofy shit that we did as a as an audience, and we, you know, it's not the same like authenticity as what all these other stadiums have around the country, and like you know, obviously we've heard all about those various things in in the last couple days, but um, there there was a time where it was actually a lot of fun, Um, and even you know even through the losses, there, there there was. There were a lot of people at the games. There was a lot of excitement around the program. UConn football and should just be an it, MLS team. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to like. I don't want to say like I want six wins a year or I want seven wins a year. It's really like that just doesn't matter to me. I want people to have fun at games again. I want <clears throat> if we can't. Alex getting good, choked up. This is very emotional. I want people to have fun going to games again and if that means that we are bad but entertaining then like maybe that's the way we've got to go and i know that tyler you've advocated for that a bunch something's got to be done to create excitement around the program and if it's not realistic to actually be good then we have to come up with some we basically need to turn it into a minor league baseball team i will say peter put like 12 hypothetical names of replacements into the slack yesterday and i was just scrolling by i'm like all right i don't know these people and then uh, someone put in like Here's the coach that never punts. And I was like, yeah, that would get me. Yeah, I'd buy fucking tickets. That'd fucking rule. I saw someone else say they should run the triple option. Mm-hmm. Fucking yeah, they should. Let's go. Well, we I will say the best player on UConn's football team right now is the punter, basically. That's so not so, that's opposite. not encouraging me to go buy tickets. We should only punt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd be curious about that. I wouldn't subscribe to CBS Sports Network for it, but I would follow Twitter. But you'd watch like a YouTube clip of UConn punting on fourth and goal. I'd watch the eventual HBO doc <laughs> of how Meech became a serial killer. <laughs> I, I, I will say as, as someone who's probably going to be a serial killer, going to be a serial killer because of UConn football, because I've watched 
basically every game since 2005. Uh, although I turned off the last quarter and a half of Saturday's game because I was that mad. I, I just want us to try. Just just try. Just If, if you're not going to be willing in this next hiring process to spend $2 million on a coach, if you're not willing to, you know, give that coach, you know, access to, you know, five, $600 for coordinators and, and, you know, a little bit less than that for position coaches. If you're not going to try and compete then shut it down, like stop embarrassing me. I, I'm embarrassed. And I'm someone who has, you know, I don't live in Connecticut. I've been to probably 40 UConn football games, you know, between Rensselaer field and Rutgers and army and other, other places. Just don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass the school. Don't make our school punchline. But to do that, you have to actually commit to doing it. And I believe David Benedict wants to do it. I don't know if we have the money to do it. But if we don't have the money to do it, then get the fuck out. Because I'm, I'm tired of this. Like, it, it is just absurd that we cannot put together a team that could beat Holy Cross. I'm not asking to beat Clemson. I'm not asking to stay within 50 points of Clemson. Beat Holy Cross. Beat UMass. Beat Yale. The fact that we can't do that is embarrassing. That, that's where I am with this. I mean, I'm just so tired of seeing Dan Wolken, Pete Thamel, Nicole Auerbach, name every other national football writer you can, tweet about UConn football every week and about how it's a joke. And it makes me mad to see it, but I can't blame them one bit. Because they're right. This team is humiliating, and they're absolutely right. And just get don't make UConn a punchline. Or make UConn don't. not a don't make it suck to be a fan yeah. of UConn. Try. I can live with, <clears throat> don't make us yeah. feel like Providence fans. <laughs> yeah, that's we don't want to be the Providence of football. Brutal. What now? What does that look like to you, Meech? Who's who's a coach that makes you say, "Okay, they're really trying. I'm satisfied with this," or at least a profile of one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a preference. I mean, if 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 they want to bring in a super offensive, you know, coordinator, I'm okay with that. If they want to bring in an FCS guy who has, you know, some connection to this part of the country, not necessarily New England, but New Jersey, Pennsylvania, who can bring in guys um, who's had success building teams. You know, uh, the guy that was at Maine uh, is, is yeah, that he'd be fine. I would be fine. I don't think there's anyone, as I said in Slack, I, I don't think there's anyone who, if they hire that person will get me to, you know, lose my shit and be like, oh, we're back. But I just want to see a commitment. And I, I want to see some kind of semblance of some logic for why we're hiring this person that's not, you know, he used to coach here. You know, I'd take Joe Moorhead, obviously, but like I... I you don't want Rob Ambrose. I don't, right. Like, I have been kind of wondering, just from like kind of a, you know, I feel almost like an independent observer because I don't really care all that much anymore. But like... The people that are are clamoring for these folks with Yukon connections, like for me, I'm looking back at a decade of absolute shittiness going like, who the fuck, why, why would you want that? What value does that even bring you now? I'd, None. I'd just, prefer somebody who's never set foot on campus before. I would too. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a difficult job. I mean, I, I can't kill Benedict for the Edsel rehire because, you know, he had done it before and, you know, we thought he'd be all in and try and, you know, secure his legacy or whatever. It didn't work out. And we all kind of thought donors just told Benedict he had to right. do that to get rid of Diaco. Right. They do. There's no guarantee of success here. It's it's a really hard job. You've got to be able to recruit. You've got to be able to do something a little different to get people here. The all punt, you know, the no punt guy, you know, that would be something different. It would be something you might be able to get people who might go to, you know, Temple, but you, you come here, you're going to score 40 points a game. Why not? Again, it's not it's not even a specific person. It's not even a spe specific profile that I have, but it's a commit. It's a it's a financial commitment, and it's some kind of plan to right. make this work. I think that's where I'm at too, and that's kind of what I was saying. Like, d get a real coach, do better than this, or don't do this. Right. Yeah, I, I think there was a point in with this program where we could have had a real argument over whether it's better to go get the FCS guy, get the like hotshot young assistant or the mid-major head coach and d decide what, what was better there. I think right now all we really require is a clear direction. 
And if you're going to go the FCS route with someone who has built a successful program in the Northeast at that level and give them a shot here, I think that's fine. If you're going to go with an offensive coordinator at some other school who's maybe had a lot of success there and you say, okay, this is going to be what our team looks like going forward, I think that's fine. But the the thing about the Edsel hire, even though I was on board with it at the time, is that there was no – it, it was the easy move because he was available and because we, you know, there, there was a connection there and it really didn't even, it didn't go deeper than that. And that's just the one thing that I don't want to see now. I will say like, I mean, the Lashley hire is exactly the kind of thing that we should be trying to do. Right. Getting smart, young, energetic people who can recruit, who, you know, and he was, a, he was a, a, an up and coming guy and he was moderately successful here. You know, he didn't light the world on fire, but he turned that into you know, eventually getting the Miami job. That's the kind, like, we can't be afraid to be a stepping stone job because we'll never be more than that. Not the way our, not being an independent team in the Northeast. It's just not possible to be anything but. Personally, I think I'm actually kind of leaning towards, like, find somebody who has head coaching experience because this is such a hard job. Like, and you, I feel like you need someone who has the, has had the experience of building a program because, that's the skill we most need right now is someone who can like put a program together because it's kind of a still a mess right now. Now, would we say that Harsimiak qualifies in that regard? Does Maine count? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not that picky about it. I just think has been a head coach is probably more important to me than like hot shot coordinator. Cause I feel like, you know, if we're willing to spend even like an, an okay amount of money, you can find, a young smart coordinator like there are guys who are going to need jobs at the end of the year but like the head coaching job i think should go to somebody who's been a head coach personally given given the difficulty of the task i realize this is just me talking but i feel like i could be talked into like a hot shot offensive coordinator if they hire another like defensive coordinator at some place and just kind of telegraph that the plan is to play like you know, hard-nosed New England football. Like, I just don't have an interest in watching yeah. that without the possibility of winning something. Right. UConn can't win that way. It, it can't. You need the players, and we will never get the players here. But to your I point... Mean, the one year, they had a decent coordinator, and they had Lashley here. The offense was fun to watch. Like, they, they were throwing out trick plays and doing all sorts of, like, absurd shit, because they kind of had to, to, like, score points. But it worked, and it was fun. It'd be like, oh, we're, we're doing a flea flicker? Okay, cool. But I would rather watch that shit than, you know, another drive up the middle on 3rd and 10. Remember all the trick plays? There were so many trick plays. I fucking love <laughs> trick plays. So I will fun. Admit, I love trick plays, especially when they work. They should have kept Diaco. I, I did a flea flicker before we came on here. God damn it. <laughs> sorry. I'm leaving it in. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. It's staying in. It. I hope sorry. your family's proud of you. At least it's fun to watch. I'll say too, like to the point you're all making, I do kind of feel like even maybe before the hire, like Benedict needs to talk to the fans and establish a reasonable expectation. Like I know we all have, and like the crazies on, UConn football Twitter have like these ridiculous outsized expectations of what the program can be. But like, I feel like somebody actually needs to level set and explain how this is actually going to work over the next 10 years, both like financially and on the field. And that will go a long way, I think, towards judging the hire. Because again, if they just get, even if they get a hotshot coordinator who go like if he wins four games, is he leaving? And then what? Like, is that what you're going to do forever? Or are you going to change I mean, direction with the next coach? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like what job do you think he's getting with four wins? I'm just saying and, they and need to think, establish some sort of expectation for what the product is going to look like year after year, almost regardless of who they hired a coach. Well, I mean the good the good programs in our station, you know if they get a good coach and that coach leaves, they hire a new good coach. Like we haven't hired a good coach since Edsel the first time. I mean, say what you want about this time, but he, he was very good in the first decade of, of our FBS run. Um, you, you can't be afraid. And we, we had this experience with Ollie too, where we were so afraid he was going to lose. And then when shit went awful, 
we were kind of locked in because we signed him to a long-term deal that we couldn't get out of. Framed him. You just got to – if you think someone can get us to four wins in two years from now, that's a good start. And then the next guy is going to try and get us from four to six wins two years after that. And you're just going to have to keep doing that because that's how a good program or a solid program – operates so peter i know you have kind of a list of names you said a few of them are there any others you want to kind of throw out here now uh who have we talked about well the main guy moorhead a little bit moorhead actually a little bit there's simiak i mean lashley if they hired lashley i'll be over the moon but that doesn't feel very realistic that feels like the the name or you know the name thrown out by national guys who can put the connection together but don't know the backstory yeah, I and you know, people are talking a lot about various FCS guys. It's hard to know who's actually a realistic target in there. I mean, presumably a lot of them because we can pay a lot more. But like how many of those guys are we actually interested in? Right. I'm like, also not convinced Yukon's going to pay a lot more when well, there are right, max schools out there paying half a million. I'm not convinced Yukon goes to 2 million. Well, they're going to 1 million. I mean, 1 million is a are lot Are they more doing it again? Million. I don't know. Oh yeah. They better. Oh, I would <laughs> I would be Absolutely. shocked if they're not going to pay more now. Because if you're not going to then just... Can't just shut it down. That's it. Shut it down. Yeah, I mean, they're going to pay less than they're paying Edsel. This was this is a waste right. of time. You, you you might be right, Tyler. And if it is, then I This hope. is what I'm talking about, long-term expectations. If the expectation is to be a Mac school quality program, then... We're not even that right now. But we're paying better than that. I'm saying it's not... Financials aren't the reason we're not that right now. Right, right, correct. But if that's what the program looks like, if we're... Akron or something like then just tell us and go be Akron you know realistically how bad of a job is UConn I don't think be- that bad that's the thing like the the facilities are excellent the schedule now that they're independent is a lot better they have national tv deal it seems you got a real it stadium seems like yeah, yeah you got a real stadium it seems like you could do a lot worse and the resources of a and you're going to get a lot University, of rope. Which is not yep. a common thing that exists if you can't get a real job. The, the two big drawbacks are we're starting from such – I mean, we're the worst team in the country. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that is a tough task. I will see. I would say <laughs> yes at this point. I didn't see their game against Pitt, but they got blown out by Pitt. They were, they were bad. I'm, I'm sure they were terrible. This is going to be a bad game. <laughs> I, I because they fucking happy Thanksgiving. Suck. This is our annual game we want. I'm saying, right. know well, who the, you are. The Thanksgiving game should be close, so let, let's let's make that happen. Um, High school quality ass football. But so the, the two drawbacks are we're we're starting from an incredibly low position. I mean, there's some talented kids on the team. You know, I don't want to. Maybe they're just not being coached right. Maybe they'll look okay with a coach they respect. I don't know. But the and the other drawback is we have nothing to sell. Like we have you we can't say come here and you'll win X. We don't have a bowl game affiliation. We don't have any like big rivalry games. We don't have you know, we have come play Clemson, which might help a little bit. We also have come play play Syracuse and Boston College and Maryland. Right. And- but I, I, I think I mean the conference thing is is very difficult to overcome. Um, the schedule can mitigate that somewhat. And if we get a bowl affiliation at some point, that will be nice. Why don't we have a bowl affiliation yet? I don't know. Because UMass has hasn't one. been necessary. <laughs> UMass will never need their bowl affiliation. I assume it'll happen at some point. It's just the schedule has probably been a more pressing concern. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's not it's not the most. I, it, it would be good to have that in place by the time you know the new coach is out recruiting next year's class, I would say. So, Dave, you got to get on that. I wonder what's realistic for that. Like, what can they get? Yeah, the Fenway Bowl would be fine. That would be cool. But is that, like, a thing they might actually get? I mean, they could create one. Like, these just these <laughs> games just get made up. It's time to start TV. the Yard Goats Bowl. Honestly, yeah, play in that stadium. That would be, that would be great. Play there or play at the Yale Bowl. Yale Bowl would be good. The Signet Insurance Bowl at Yale would be great. Travelers. 
the, toad, the Toad's Place Bowl at Yale? <laughs> yes. play, play the game at Toad's. <laughs> Let's do it. Play the game at halftime of a basketball game. There we go. Yeah, like the like the, the arena grade league. school kids yeah. that run around like when on the, the court. Little kids play yeah. at halftime. Yeah. Um, do you guys trust Benedict to make a good hire? Well, it didn't go well last time, but he—I mean—he—he he did it for basketball, mm-hmm. right? I think he was kind of hamstrung last time, and he did—he has managed to hire, like he hired Lashley, and he did convince Jerry Hill to come be an OC. So I think he has the potential to make a good hire if they let him, you know, give him some rope. I don't think he really—I don't think he really picked Edsel. I don't think—I don't think that was really his choice. Just hard to imagine that's the choice you would make. No. If you're him, given like all of the people he knows, yeah, it does seem yeah. like the big decisions he's made, especially the Big East move being the biggest. That I don't know, he doesn't seem afraid to make the decision that kind of aligns with the long term vision. But yeah, like after the Big East, after Lashley, after Hurley, like I kind of feel like you know, my assumption is that given sort of the range of possible candidates between meh and like oh this is pretty cool i think he ends up more in the oh this is pretty cool range yeah i think given the resources i I trust him to make a good decision um i I think clearly his timing on firing uh has been pretty good with the last two coaches he's fired um i wish he'd fired edsel a couple years ago but sure yeah but i i mean you weren't gonna fire a guy after what three seasons I did want to fire Matt <laughs> and I was right to want to. I was saying the people who made the decision to bring Edsel back are all people who follow us on Twitter. Why? You're talking about the donors. They shouldn't. The donors. Yeah, the donors. I'm glad you mentioned that, Russ, even though that was a very ham-handed joke and you should apologize. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> the... Um... Stepped all over that joke, Russ. Fuck off. I... I almost said this earlier, and then I thought those same people might get mad at me on Twitter. But like, I really hope donors aren't involved in this decision, like at all. Yeah. The 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 I love our donors. I appreciate them giving us money. But the only one who's been right in the last decade is the guy who wanted to pull his funding after they hired Pasqualoni. I'm saying I like a little humility in realizing that maybe like the donors of the worst school in the country that is not like a football hotbed, like like just sit this one out. Thank you for the checks. Just sit this one out. Let's see what happens. If they fuck it up, you can do the next one. You can get Randy back. Well, if, we, if, <laughs> if we fuck it up, I hope there's no more coaches. I yeah, if no they more. fuck it up, you guys can just have the rent and do whatever rich guys do in football stadiums. Oh, that'd be so cool. Though. Blood sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, man, have your Illuminati meetings like in peace. Anyway, uh, like I said, I'll feel. I'll know how to feel when I see who they hire. If they hire Ambrose or even Chesney, I'll be pretty disappointed. Those feel like pretty weak, weak hires. Or yeah, somebody's yeah. saying Rosamondo. I'm like, he's the offensive line coach at like Charlotte right now. We should not be considering that guy to be our head coach. Maybe he wants to be our offensive line coach. Who's the uh, Kentucky OC? That was the name I saw. That actually was like, oh, this might be fun. Oh, yeah, I forgot his name. I don't think that's realistic, though. I feel like that guy's going to get a real job. See, but that's the kind of hire that Benedict could make that wouldn't surprise me at this point. If he pulls that off, I'll be thrilled, but I don't think that's realistic. And that would mean, you know, you're selling that guy, not just you're you're paying that guy a few million dollars, but also you're going to hire assistants who are going to cost money and you're going to give him what he needs to really compete because right. nobody that guy's that guy's gonna get the maybe he has a lot of sons job in two years or something right, we should hire the coach who has the most kids <laughs> yeah whoever we wants to fill their staff out with the most yeah. of their children yeah so now that the etzel era is over until the donors bring him back again what um <laughs> they'll get him back when they get trump back give me your etzel legacy takes how do you mix the first 10 years with the last five years? Well, I always thought he got way too much credit for the first chunk of time he was here. I agree. He got extraordinary lucky, had an NFL quarterback fall on his lap in state. The guy was hugely productive, and that went a, an enormous way into kickstarting this program. 
from then on, it was years. I mean, he never really put together a good offense again after Orlovsky left. Oh, nine, but yeah, otherwise a point. Right? We never passed the ball particularly uh, well. Oh, nine. Uh, what are the what Everything are the passing numbers on the two thousand nine? Yeah, through through the Meech goggles. Uh, Cody Andrews fucking ruled. I will not have Cody, any Cody Andrews. Cody, uh, Cody Andrews threw for thirteen hundred and fifty four yards and six touchdowns in two thousand nine. Not exactly blowing my socks off. In how many games? Seven. Pretty so good. less than 200 yards a game. We, as a team, averaged 216.5 yards passing. It's a, a deficit of about 20 yards a game in the air for a team that didn't give up that much in the air. They they were not a particularly good passing team. They were a good team. Those were six very formative touchdown passes for me they shaped them in a significant way as riveting as this is somebody give me your Edsel legacy takes so. he wasn't that good and he's a jerk so fuck him i i think what happens with this program in the next decade is going to play a big role in how we remember Edsel. that's a good point because if this team or if this program can come back to being halfway respectable then Edsel goes back to being the guy who gets all the credit for building up them up to what they became. And we don't remember that this team has actually somehow regressed from when Bob Diaco was fired to now. You guys are more, uh, obviously more tied into this than I am. I, I saw that a number of former players were like helping out. Um, is anyone like stepping up to be like, no, Randy's a good guy. Boneyard Jesus. <laughs> I honestly, I haven't seen anybody. I haven't seen anybody. Like, I, I literally, like, I, I, it's surprising that literally nobody's coming forward and defending him at all. Megan, what's your take on Edsel in his entirety? You know, it's just funny because, you know, obviously, if he never came back, he would have had a pretty, you know, other than how he left, everybody gave him, a, you know, he built it up, yes, the ball, blah, blah, blah. But this whole era has been such like a bad taste in everybody's mouth. So it's, but then, he, you know, he also was a guy who was like, oh, the players should get paid when none of the other coaches were saying that shit. So I, I think I think I'm, I'm with you all on that. It's going to be largely dependent on what happens over the next several years. Like if we rebound from this and are like a decent team, we'll be like, yeah, Randy. But I don't know. Dude's too salty for anybody to really like him that much. I think. I think his legacy was already in a tenuous place because of how he left the first time. Um, yeah. and yeah, the, this, this second stint has done him no favors in terms of, uh, proving that legacy. I would push back a little bit on saying he was not that good. I mean, he's the only one who's ever had success in this program. I think he was a B plus coach at a time when we were succeeding behind, beyond, you know, what anyone imagined we could do at, at the beginning. Um, but I do think, you know, we overrate those years significantly. We being the, you know, the UConn yeah. homers. Um, those teams weren't that great. We had one team that you could argue was plausibly top 30-ish. And then a lot of like top 40 to 60 teams, which was still, which is which perfectly fine. We got the ball games. We won some, you know, we beat some teams that we hate. Uh, we were competitive most weeks. Fuck you, Toledo. <laughs> like, f for a program that was, you know, in trailers in 2001 and that was, you know, losing 66 to 7 to Middle Tennessee while they were playing in Memorial Stadium, like, you have to credit Etzel for doing a, a good job making this a competent program that we should have um, done a better job with Jeff Hathaway, not turning into a laughing stock. And I don't and I don't think you can argue the second stint's been a complete disaster. So it's as I said earlier, thanks thanks for the 2000s. I have a lot of great memories of, of being at the rent in, you know, the, the latter part of that decade. Ultimately, you know, I, I hope he's, you know, sticks around somewhat as as you know, an ambassador for the program because he seemed to actually believe in what this program could be but I'm glad he's gone. He could be the haircut monitor. 
you know, make sure everyone has appropriate haircuts for him. It could be his job. It's funny. I mean, I, I have like almost none of that 2000s nostalgia, which I think separates me. Like I loved the Orlovsky years. That's when I was there and it was a lot of fun. But then afterwards, like I, I didn't follow it as closely and it was just kind of like a joyless experience. You know, like I was a big NFL fan and you watch 10 hours of NFL on the Sunday, but then like the quality of UConn football was just so unenjoyable at the time, even when they were winning. And in hindsight, I think so much of that success was just built off them dumping money into a brand new stadium and everyone being excited about it. Like even at the tail end, you could watch the attendance numbers start to dip even as they got better. And it was just not a sustainable product. So I guess, I don't know. I don't have that same level of nostalgia. And so I just judge him as in the bar was so low for him to succeed the second time. It was so low. All he had to do was get to a the very bottom level of mediocrity. And then he could have left whenever. And whatever happened next would have been the next guy's fault. You know, like all he had to do was get to like middle ground. And he failed at it so hard in a way that also came off as like arrogant and effortless. Like he wasn't trying and he didn't care. I don't know. To me, it just completely erases whatever goodwill I might have had from like the Orlovsky years. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree about the it, – it really felt – like it felt unprofessional. Like if you were trying at all, this wouldn't be this bad. He should There's have, he should have been more embarrassed about how bad it was. I think that's what it comes down to is like – as Meech said, like it was really embarrassing to be a fan of the program, but he didn't ever seem to kind of empathize with that. But it was also his fault. I just think the circumstances of him taking over the program in 1999 versus 2017, I, they, they were just different. They, you know, just because something worked once when circumstances were different doesn't mean it's going to work again. You know, he was, he's, he was, I think, 60 at the time. Um, he'd been out of college football for a few years. Um, we were not in a power conference anymore. Like all these things combined, you know, it just, it didn't work. And it was probably never going to work. Dan Orlovsky's kids aren't old enough to play for him yet. Was it oh, was it like a foregone conclusion that the program was going to crater, or did like we make three staggeringly bad coaching decisions in a row, two of which were pretty clearly bad when they were made? Like Pasqualoni, everybody oh, yeah. everybody seemed to know was a bad call. Yep. And bringing Edsel back was such a bizarre and like brainless move like i was so like i was so glad they were firing diaco because were, i thought he sucked they were both moves that symbolized they the administration didn't have intents to move uconn football forward like yeah, at so best they were like placeholder fine. hires exactly but i agree with you i think it was on the i think it was trending down i i do think it was always doomed not to this level but to level out at like that middle of the pack like the average aac team like, I don't think the potential for UConn football was ever higher. I, I think if we hired Joe Moorhead in 2011, I think we'd be in the ACC and we'd be Syracuse. Well, that's the better point, right. yeah. E- even, you know, thinking back to the 2016 Big 12 rotation, right. you know, like we'd probably There's be... There's no reason we couldn't be Syracuse or Rutgers. Yeah, yeah. like we, we'd go three and nine a lot in the ACC with Joe Moorhead, and then there'd be a one, once in a while we'd get a good team with a good quarterback and we'd go seven and five, eight and four. Maybe once in a while, once a decade, we do better than that. That that would be great. But we we kind of uh, kind of uh, bit the old biscuit there in 2011. Bit the old biscuit in 2011. <laughs> I'm going to say it again when Russ comes in. Bit the old biscuit in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, I don't have anything else to talk about. Does it disappoint anyone else that we haven't seen any um, UConn athletes with NIL deals, really, except for the people who go on Cutler's podcast? What a great question, Russ, because yes. So here's the thing. I think any UConn athlete listening, we will pay you to do promo for this podcast, but I don't know what a fair rate is. I don't want to like... This is how we know who's listening. I don't want to, uh, you know, underpay these kids, but I also don't want to get gouged by fucking 
Matt Gary. <laughs> Matt Gary, hop in the DMs. Find out what Kotler's paying. He'll tell you. Will he? He, he will. It's Kotler. Nice it's Kotler. He'll tell yeah. us. He's so great. Love you, Jared. Everyone, subscribe to the CT Scoreboard podcast. <laughs> the official podcast of the time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I saw Tyrese Martin had a camp, which might have just been him being a good dude, which kind of sounded like it from the article. But so that might be that might be an NIL thing. You know, they can put their names on camps now. I don't think he got paid for that. Because I think it was free camp. It was free for the kids, so I don't think they're paying people to show up. But I mean, I guess it's possible. Either way, it's a cool thing. Uh, And then I saw R.J. Cole has. Some sort of branded T-shirts he's selling. Oh yeah, I think that's it. That's all I've seen, other than the folks who go on Cotler's pod. No. Wonder how much Cotler would pay me to go on his pod. <laughs> what do you think Cotler's paying? I hundred bucks. I. Here's the I'm thing. Just... I feel like this is where I'm getting. Like, I want to make offers to these kids, but I feel like it's up to me to like. I want them to set the price. I don't want to assume anything. Mir McLean, let us know your price. Got to do some research. Someone's got to set the market here. What, when we uh, can't afford Paige. Yeah, no. No, we cannot. No, I wouldn't even ask. We could maybe afford Nika Mule. Ooh, Nika. I would ask. She, and she would absolutely beat me with rocks. <laughs> she would bring her own rocks. <laughs> for a thousand, For $1,000, she will kill any person you want to kill. <laughs> It's rough. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't pay her on time, there's interest. What kind of uh, NIL deals do we think Nika can get? Virginia Slims. That's for I don't know. Anything where somebody's cutting through the competition. (laughs) They can have her shanking somebody. Can't have Nika shilling for an MLM. They're like, Nika, give you you $50 to promote JT Mithy. So she's like, I get paid in fingers. <laughs> oh, good. They have chicken fingers. You can get those. Yeah. Well, what did they pay David Benedict Cumberbatch? We're off the rails. Anybody have anything else? Hockey. Kavanaugh got an extension. Hit the old biscuit in 2011. <laughs> All right. Let's talk men's basketball because we haven't done a pod in a year and a half. I think, uh, I think the big news is probably on the recruiting front. Uh, we've got... Three recruits, so one of them's already on campus now. Corey Floyd committed and then reclassified. He's now on campus and will join the team this year. Uh, and then Donovan Klingen and Alex Carabin. So, I guess, Peter, why don't you give us sort of the, the rundown on all three of them real quick, if you don't mind. Well, I think, you know, we're probably all pretty clear on what these guys are bringing to the table by <laughs> now. Because they happened um, a year and a half ago. We sh- we have to have had a pod. What if this is the only January? What if this is the only place people ever get their Yukon news and we're breaking this right now? Okay, well, in that case, hi, Dad. Um, Floyd, uh, one of the most enthusiastic UConn recruits I can remember. Certainly uh, excited to see what he does. It, it was fun briefly having a top 10 2021 class, though now we have a top 10. Yeah. Or I guess 22. Now we have a top 10 2021 class. We still can Floyd have a top joining. 10 2022 class. We need a guard. We need at least one guard, maybe two guards. So give me like uh, either be. give me a comp for Floyd or give me like a few things he does really well. Defense. Everybody loves his defense. He's just a big, strong guard, like bigger and stronger than I think is normal for you to see, even from like a veteran college guard. I mean, he's a big he's a big boy. So do we all think Floyd's going to redshirt or no? I don't know. I think it's going to depend on how ready he is. I think Curly thinks he's probably going to redshirt. Floyd thinks he's not going to redshirt. So at some point, that's going to have to get figured out. But I think Hurley is thinking, all right, we'll get there. He'll see kind of how far behind he is the rest of the guys because they've all been doing this. And, uh, you know, Floyd's thinking, I'm going to get there, and he'll see how ready I am, and he'll, you know, throw me in the in the rotation. So one of them is going to be right, and hopefully they agree as to who that is to, to be fair didn't uh didn't he really impress at the summer stuff he was did, very good he like, was really he, very good didn't he surprise a lot of people with how 
how much more ready he looked than what they thought. I, I can't speak to, you know, people being surprised. I thought he was good. I know he have, he was scoring points. Um, and he's not a guy that I think is looked at as a, an impact scorer right now in college. That would be a nice surprise if he was. Uh, if there's an impact scorer as a freshman in this incoming class, it's almost certainly Hawkins. Right. I feel like uh, at some point in the Slack, you said like even the like the best option for Floyd is almost like break in case of emergency, like either play him a few games in real competition, see if he can handle it, and then make the decision a few games in, or plan to have him redshirt and then see if you know you need to put him in some games because of depth, but. Yeah, I mean, if we, you know, even if going into this season with the with the roster we have, we were a little short on guards. Right. Um, you know, there are a couple of guys that I think are going to be kind of playing some guard who might not be like your prototypical guards. I think Martin and, and Jackson both are probably going to be playing a little guard. And those are guys yeah. I think normally would be playing the three. I think they both can play guard, though. Jackson really, really needs to shoot better. But ultimately, you know, I think the extra guard, it'll be nice to at least have him available in case we realize this isn't working. We need another actual ball handler. And uh, best case scenario, he just comes out and is awesome and we have to play him because he's good. Yeah, that'd be cool. I like having at least the threat of competition, you know, with Diggins and Gaffney and Floyd all in the mix there. Yeah. But it's just, it's very encouraging that we just keep hitting on the recruiting trail. Like, there's been a few guys that we've been interested in that we've missed on. But by and large, they're getting, I mean, almost everybody they want. It's pretty cool. Really, everyone that they really seems like yeah. they had some interest in. But everyone we've really gone after, everyone they've made a priority, they've gotten. Yeah, I it seems like Hurley has a much better idea of who is attainable and then really zeroes in on them rather than wasting time with top 10 guys who are going to Duke and Kentucky. And he knows, he knows how to recruit, especially in, you know, the New York, New Jersey area where he's starting to pull some guys and it shows. And it's, I mean, it's can't send notes, handwritten notes to everyone. Okay. You have to like prioritize. We could try. That was my favorite thing about the Klingon was that Tom Moore sent handwritten notes to him in cursive and that young Donovan was uh, not able to read the cursive handwriting. So his dad had to read them for him. I mean, cursive can be tough to read. Cursive is stupid. It's fucking stupid. stupid. I I stopped using it the moment they let me. It's time to fire Tom Moore. Someone has to have the courage to say it. Tom Moore coached the football team. I will say I am encouraged by how... You know, they hadn't really been uh, prioritizing New England as a recruiting area until this class. And they went in the, out and they got two top 100 New England guys, two of the three that were in the region. And the other one, they kicked the tires on him and thought, you know, like we were just saying, I think Hurley th- recognized this kid's going to Duke. So I'm not going to waste a bunch of time chasing him. But the two guys who were attainable, he got both of them. And they're both guys I'm very excited about. Also not types sure, of players uh, we have not brought in in a while. I'm not sure we even Mike? discussed Luke Murray coming on the staff. No, that's true. So that's the other, Murray, the opposite example. end of it is, you know, we're recruiting all these New England guys. But Luke Murray's the guy you bring in when you want to recruit nationally, which I think is the plan. If we want to really, really be elite again. There's going to have to be at least some degree of national recruiting. I'd like to be elite again. I mean, yeah. I love the idea of being able to like hoover up the yeah. best New England kids every year and just to like have that in the bank, but also be able to go out and like, you know, get a Richard Hamilton or a Ray Allen or like, you know, one of, one of those guys is not, you know, they can't. I wouldn't even them. count Rip. I mean, Rip was from Pennsylvania. That's like close enough. Whatever. So, yeah get Ray Allen from South Carolina, get, you know, a Daniel Hamilton from Los Angeles, or we've had guys from Florida, probably, who have been Rudy good. Rudy Johnson. Rashad. 
Rashad Anderson from Lakeland, Florida, if I remember correctly. You do. You do. Or Donnie Marshall from Federal Way, Washington. We could do an hour of just quizzing you on where players are from. Rip is from Coatesville, to be yes, precise. I said Pennsylvania. I didn't say Coatesville. So, yeah, the recruiting's going great. Uh, Caravan and Klingon are, are – those are guys – we haven't brought in players like that recently. We haven't brought in, like – White guys. <laughs> I was going to say it. <laughs> so like a, you like an NBA-sized center or, like, really, really good shooters. We've been so light on shooters in recent years. Yeah. I'm bummed we didn't get Denver Anglin as well. Uh, I thought – we had a real good shot at him, and now he's creeping into those top hundred lists. So it's particularly annoying to lose him to a toilet bowl like Georgetown. But we'll have to find somebody better, else. Better Georgetown than Providence. Who? Well, yeah, I mean, he wasn't going to go to Providence. He's a good well, player. No, I'm just, yeah. yeah. They're recruiting fucking cratering the second we walked into the conference. God, it's it feels so good. Beautiful. <laughs> like they're like. Two, they start. They, I mean, they were the first school in on Caravan. He didn't even fucking consider them, and he's <laughs> an hour and a half away. Providence can't even get a look, and I they keep losing how, guys to us. I loved how when the Big East move was first announced, like you got some initial reaction from pretty much all ten teams, like "Nah, we don't need you, come back." And then people said, "Yeah, they're going to make the conference a lot better. Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about." And ultimately they're all like, "Yeah, no, you're you're right. You're right. Providence is the one school that legitimately has an argument for they should not have wanted UConn back in this conference." I guess Seton Hall a little bit too, but they seem to be doing okay. Yeah, but Seton Hall also there's the Hurley factor there. Like I don't know if we wouldn't have taken everybody from Seton Hall still in the American, but Hurley would have gotten some guys. Yeah, probably. I'm curious with Klingon to just see how it works. I feel like, you know, as the pro game moves away from guys like Klingon, you know, I'm almost wondering, did they just figure out the cheat code? Like to get a guy like that in college, who's probably not going to necessarily be like drafted because of his athleticism or his size as a default, like they're going to get like three years out of him. Those players don't really play in the NBA, but they play in college. Yeah. They could be it's first team all conference in, time in college before college really catches up to the NBA in that because you just don't have enough bigs who can really shoot yet. That's fine. Klingon will and, be gone by then. That's okay. And he can honestly like not a terrible uh, not terrible touch on his shot. I was gonna he say, could probably learn. I, I feel like Maybe. there's two outcomes. Either he's like a dominant inside force who really doesn't have a go-to NBA market and he's going to stay and dominate or he figures out how to shoot well and then he's a lottery pick, but you know, he'll dominate. So I'm fine with any option. Yeah. Awesome. I'm good with either yeah. of those and I will not consider those any the other options. Possibilities. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And Caravan, you know, just get me a guy who can score. Yeah. Like who just yeah. knows how to score the ball, especially who can shoot. All right. I'm just going to wrap this pod and then we can still chat. All right, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Dime Bad Podcast. Till next year. See ya. <laughs> All right, everybody. So now to support Alex and his band Tetramer that's performing at Heartbeat Fest on Saturday, September 18th. Here is the full performance of their song, Modern Day.
Yeah.